But I wanted to uh, expound on fathers today, talk about that a little bit. And I, um, I started this with a, a definition. It, it's taken, it's Happy Father's Day, you know, Zechariah, and it's taken from Luke chapter 1. We're not going to look at all 60, um, 50 some verses there, but we're going to look at some of them. But I wanted to give you a, a definition of a father. This definition is taken from Paul Harvey. Remember Paul Harvey? Good day, you know. <laughs> Here's what Paul Harvey says as far as the definition of fathers. He says, fathers unfortunately give daughters away to other men who aren't nearly good enough so that they can have grandchildren that are smarter than anybody else's. <laughs> How true that is. I think the greatest gift that a father, a father can give to his children is the way he loves his mother. I think that's that, that's so the way that he loves their mother, I should say. Um, it was a story about the worst Mother's Day gift ever given. The Houston Chronicle reported a story about Jerry Maltz that, that he gave his wife this gift for Mother's Day. Um, he gave her an iron for Mother's Day. I don't know what he was thinking. But he got the message when on Father's Day she gave him an ironing board. <laughs> so, so, so I guess hopefully he got the message, you know, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see, you know, I, I hope he did though, but I like, <clears throat> I like what General MacArthur said, General MacArthur, he says, by profession, I am a soldier and I take pride in that fact, but I am prouder, infinitely prouder to be a father. He says, a soldier destroys in order to build. A father only builds, never destroys. The, the one has the potentialities of death. The other embodies creation of life. And while the hordes of, of death are mighty, the battalions of life are mightier still. It is my hope that my son, when I am gone, will remember me not from the battle, but in the home repeating with him, our simple daily prayer, our Father who art in heaven. I, I like that from, from General MacArthur. There were, there were three young fathers who were in the waiting room. They were expecting children, and the first was told that his wife had just given birth to twins. And he said, that's amazing. He said, I, I played baseball for the Minnesota Twins. Later, the nurse came out and told the second man, congratulations, you are the father of triplets. And he said, that's amazing because I work for 3M. Mm. <laughs> well, the next man, um, the, the, the next man that was ne sitting next to him um, fainted when he was told that he had triplets. And they tried waking him up and finally they got him awake. And they said, what's wrong? And he said, well... I work for 7-Up. <laughs> you know, that that's kind of scary, you know. <laughs> if you're only expecting one and you get seven, um, well, anyway. There was this little boy who joyfully sat upon his father's shoulders, and his father had this blue T-shirt on, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a blue T-shirt with this yellow and red logo, and the emblem of the word said this. It said, I'm a dad. What's your superpower? I like that. 
And I'll bet you what, being a dad is pretty super. It absolutely is. You know, Father's Day is a time that we set aside to thank and honor our dads for the important role that they have been in our lives. You know, my dad was a good man. Um, my dad ended up being a faithful man, though. It takes more than just being good. You know, he didn't have much education, but one thing that he had that a lot of men in this day and age seem to lack is common sense. My dad was a common sense man. My dad worked very hard all of his life. Uh, my dad served our country and received many honorable awards from the Korean conflict. You know, one of them being the Purple Heart. You know, dad taught us how to hunt, how to fish, how to do carpentry work. He, he taught us a lot of things. You know, he became a Christian later on in his life. And I've told you this. At 75, I baptized my dad into the Lord. And at 79, he passed away. But I will tell you this. My dad, without a doubt, loved Jesus. And the frustration for him was this is that he couldn't have loved Jesus longer than he did because he didn't really know of Christ the way we know of Christ. But he loved Jesus. And there is no doubt in my mind, I can't wait to be reunited with him someday in heaven. I just can't wait. My dad was a quiet and gentle man, but when he wasn't, you better listen because he could be stern too. And we kids learn to respect our father for the man that he was and the man that he became. There were three little boys in the schoolyard bragging about who, their, who, had, a, who had a better dad, a better, better father. And the first boy says this. He says, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and calls it a poem, and they give him $100. And the second boy says, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and calls it a song, and they give him $1,000. And the third boy said, well, that's nothing. My dad is even better than that. He scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes four men to collect all the offering. <laughs> How true. You know, being, being a father is the greatest joy and the hardest thing in life for me. It was for me. It was, it was a lot of hardship, but it was, it was also great joy. And I'm sure that many of you can relate to that. You know, if you remember six weeks ago on Mother's Day, what we did was we explored the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of, of John the Baptist. And what we did was we focused on Elizabeth. We saw her role as a mom, and it was a struggle-filled life. It was a satisfaction-filled life. But most importantly of all, for Elizabeth, it was a spirit-filled life. And so today, for Father's Day, I want to focus on the other half of that parenting duo and see what we can learn from Zachariah about fatherhood. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. If you recall, Zachariah and Elizabeth, one of the first things that it says is that they were both very old and had been unable to conceive a child if you remember from the story. We also, if you remember all the way back to Christmas, that was one of the stories we talked about at Christmas time as well. But one fateful day, Zechariah experienced 
a heavenly encounter that literally changed everything for them. So before we get to that encounter, though, the Bible reveals that Zechariah was this pious, this, this devoutly religious man. This would-be father was a pious, devoutly religious man. And so Luke 1 begins by telling us that Zechariah was a priest actively involved in serving in the temple. And, and we read from, from Luke chapter 1, verse 6, and I'm going to use the, the New Living Translation here. It says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. That's what it states about the two of them. Careful to obey the Lord's commands and all of its regulations. For you see, Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't merely go through the motions of following God's law. They backed up their outward compliance with this, what I would call an inward obedience. They were faithful to him. You know, unlike the religious leaders whom Jesus often called hypocrites, you know, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they were constantly making fun of or belittling or puffing themselves up. But unlike those people, Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't stop with the, the, the letter of the law. Their, their obedience to God was from the heart. It was from the heart. And that's why they were called righteous in God's eyes. He called them righteous in his eyes. And that's what piety is all about. And today, what I think we need in the church is more men who are pious, who are, who are devoutly religious to the Lord who have given their hearts over to God completely. We need more of that. Did you hear about the, the little boy who was playing one Sunday morning while his dad was sitting in the recliner reading his paper? The father said to him, he said, Son, you know what? You need to get ready to go to Sunday school. And the little boy asked, Are you going to come with me today, Dad? The man replied, No, I'm not coming. But, but I want you to hurry up and get ready. So the little boy then said, did you used to go to Sunday school when you were a little boy, dad? He said, I most certainly did. And as he's walking away, this little boy mumbles to himself, and yeah, I bet it won't do me any good either. <laughs> boy, I tell you what, isn't our example so p powerful? And unfortunately, that little boy is probably right. Dads sometimes forget how much influence that we have in the lives of our children. I tell you, looking back on missed opportunities, here's what one father wrote. Dads, pay attention to this. This is what one father wrote. This was his confession. He said this. He said, I took my children to school, but not to church. I enrolled them in Little League, but not Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but now not how to be fishers of men. I made the Lord's Day a holiday rather than a holy day. I taught them that church was full of hypocrites and made the greater hypocrite of them and me. I gave them television and video games, but not provided them with a Bible. I handed them the keys to the car, but did not give them the keys to the kingdom of God. I taught them how to make a living, but failed to show them how to really live. 
Wow. Dads, do you ever stop and think about that for yourself and, and wonder where you are on that scale? I have many times. And even as a preacher, we, we still we still don't do the, the right things. I remember disappointing my children many times. One of the things I will tell you is that I stopped making promises. Because, you know, sometimes when you make promises and you break them, it's devastating. And so I stopped making promises because I didn't want to put myself in a position where that I would break that promise. But if I said I was going to do something, I tried to follow through with doing what I was going to do. You know, I, I, it's, it, the, the truth is, Dad, what's happening here is our kids are watching us. And, and like God, they can spot a fake when they see one. What's that old saying? You can con a con, you can fool a fool, but you can't kid a kid. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that so true? Absolutely. You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth were called righteous in God's eyes because they followed his commands and they did so out of sincere love for God and for God's people. They lived good and godly lives. And, and their son John, their son John grew up to be a godly man. So what I say is let's follow in their footsteps. Let's be godly fathers, godly mothers, men and women who, men and uh, uh, women who, who love and, and obey the Lord. That's what we need to be. The second thing I want to point out here is that Zacharias was also a prayerful father. He believed in prayer. And as a, as a priest, one of Zachariah's duties included entering the holy place within the temple and burning incense. That was his job. This was done twice a day, and, and the priests would each take turns doing it. And so when people saw the smoke of the burning incense rising from the temple, they gathered around the temple and they would pray. That's what they would do. The smoke drifting heavenward symbolized their prayers ascending to God. Within the temple, Zechariah prayed too. And I remember there's a passage, and I'm not exactly sure where it is in, in, in Revelation, that talks about the prayers of righteous, that they, 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 they rise like smoke to God, like the incense to God. That's how important prayer is, folks. We need to be people of prayer. So, but then the Bible says this. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, and this is verses 11 through 13, this is what it says. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Have you noticed that every time in the scripture that it talks about an angel appearing, the, the fear comes on? People, they, they, they're, they're fearful. Would you be fearful? I probably would. It probably would scare the living daylights out of me. Like, whoa, where did you come from? But the angel said, and the angels always said this, do not be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. 
Zechariah was a man of prayer, and against all odds, God answered his prayers. And Zechariah, fellas, was no different than you or me. He was, he was a, a, a man, flesh and blood man. He was no different than us. My guess is that Zechariah had been praying for a son for a long time as he and Elizabeth were, were together. You know, most, most people would have given up, but, but Zechariah, he, he would not. He just kept praying. And, and God answers prayers. And sometimes God answers prayers in his own way and in his own time. In his own way and his own time. And sometimes God provides an answer instantly. You know, other times we have to be patient and persistent in our prayers. But he always listens and he's always going to answer whether it's his way or maybe later on his way. Zechariah prayed that God would give him a child and as fathers, you know what? I believe, how many of you dads do you try to pray for your children on a daily basis? You don't have to raise your hands. I'm just saying. You know, I try to pray for my children on a daily basis. And I will tell you, you know, this is this is hard, but we have one one child, maybe two, we're not really sure, that that are struggling with their walk with the Lord. And it's so important for us to be praying for our children. You know, as fathers, it's important that we pray on behalf of our children. The Apostle Paul wrote this in in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. This is what he says, and this is also taken from the New Living Translation. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peacefully in quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. I tell you, this certainly, this what Paul's saying here certainly can apply to dads and, and, and to their children. So pray. Pray for your children so you can have a little peace and quiet. Pray but now I pray pray for for God's blessing in their lives. Pray that they will grow up in wisdom and grace. Pray that they will develop a relationship with God that will last a lifetime. Pray for that for them. It's so important for us to pray for our children and even more important that we pray with our children. I love this poem that I want to share with you, if I can find it here. It says, what a dad teaches. Here's what it says. He teaches kindness by being thoughtful and gracious even at home. He teaches patience by being gentle and understanding over and over. He teaches honesty by keeping his promises to his family even when it costs He teaches courage by living unafraid with faith in all circumstances. He teaches justice by being fair and dealing equally with everyone. 
He teaches obedience to God's word by precept and example as he reads and prays daily with his family. He teaches love for God and his church as he takes his family regularly to all the services at church. His steps are important because others are following. Others are following. Folks, by doing all these things, and I believe by especially reading God's word and praying for your children, what happens is this, is that you you lead by example. You lead by example, showing them how to develop their own prayer life and their own relationship with God. See, that's where the disconnect sometimes comes is that their faith is your faith until they get to a certain age and then you try to encourage them to have it as their faith. Sometimes that happens, sometimes that doesn't. So finally, so we really need to be praying for them, for their prayer life and for their relationship with God. And so finally, the last thing I want to share with you this morning, in addition to being a pious and a prayerful father, Zachariah was also a praise-filled father. You know, even though Zachariah had been praying for a miracle, you know, he, he didn't really expect that to happen. I mean, after all, you know, they were in their old age. You know, you don't hear of too many 60, 70, 80 year old women having a baby. We just don't hear of that. I don't, I don't know if it can happen or not. I guess it can. If God causes it to happen, it can happen. But we don't always hear about that. But when Gabriel told him that he and Elizabeth would have a son, Zechariah asked for a sign of some kind. Well, Gabriel, it seems, was a little offended by that. And so he gave Zechariah a sign, but the sign was that Zechariah would have to be silent, unable to speak until the child was born. Now, I imagine that Elizabeth was probably elated with that. But let me tell you, that he, he that happened because of his disbelief. And here he is praying, and God hears his prayers, and he's going to answer them. And yet he had to have a sign. Remember when Peter was in prison, and all the apostles were back in the room praying? And was it Rhoda that went and answered the door, and it was Peter? And she, she left the door shut and said, hey, Peter's out here. And they're, they're, they don't believe it because he was in prison. We need to pray believing. Dads, pray believing. You need to pray believing. And so, I, you know, I, we need to be careful what we ask for because we just might get it. Notice what it says in Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is, is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have, I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Wow. 
Flash forward nine months. Zachariah and Elizabeth hold a special ceremony for their baby circumcision. And all their friends and family are probably in attendance. And a disagreement breaks out over the the baby's name. And then the Bible says, Zachariah motioned for a tablet. And to everyone's surprise, this is what he does. He writes, his name is John. His name is John. And instantly, notice what it says there. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again. And he began praising God. He began praising God. He says he motioned for a tablet and to everyone's surprise, he wrote the name John and then he was, he, he was praising God because he could speak again. And so I'm sure that Zachariah was praising God that he could finally talk, but I think he was also praising God because God kept his promise and he blessed their family. And you know, it was soon after that, if you remember in the scripture there, it was soon after that that Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit And he gave a prophecy saying this. Notice what it says. It says, and he was a praying man. said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to, sh- to show mercy to the ancestors and, and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to, to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare for him, prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by using the rising sun will come to us from heaven, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Wow. That's what Zechariah prophesied. He was talking about the coming Messiah, but he was also talking about his son John who would prepare the way for the Messiah to come. Zechariah saw all that God was doing in the world and in their lives, and he praised God for it. Fathers, thank God for all that he does in your life. He, he praised God for the, for the coming Messiah. He praised him for, for redemption, for salvation, and forgiveness. You know, Zechariah lived in desperate times. If you remember, Israel was under Roman occupation. Taxes were high. Income was low. Sa- slavery was commonplace. Death was all around them. But through the darkness... Zechariah saw God's tender mercy breaking over the horizon. That's what he's talking about. So dads, we need to be like Zechariah. We need to praise God in the good times and the bad times. We need to praise him for his love and for his mercy and for his grace that he gives to each one of us. You know, there's a story about a farmer who toiled over a bumper crop of grain 
a badly needed crop of grain. It was so badly needed. A badly needed crop that was going to pay off many of the creditors and secure his family for another season. And for those farmers who, who know that, how important that is, that, that's, that's, that's your livelihood. That's, that's everything for you. But just a few days before it was due to be harvested, a freak hailstorm ravaged the property and the whole harvest was completely lost. The man stood with his little boy looking over the fields of destroyed grain. The boy expected his father to be cursing in despair, but instead his dad began to Softly sing, Rock of Ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. You know what? Years later, that young man grew into a manhood. And this is what he said. He said, that was the greatest sermon I ever heard. That was the greatest sermon I ever heard. What kind of sermon are your kids and your grandkids going to hear from you? I like this poem. It's called A Dad. A dad is a mender of toys, a leader of boys. He's a changer of fuses, a healer of bruises. He's a mover of couches and a soother of ouches. He's a pounder of nails and a teller of tales. He's a dryer of dishes, a fulfiller of wishes. Bless him, O Lord. And as we close this morning, dads, I just want to say this to you. We cannot thank you enough for all that you have done and continue to do in our lives. My prayer is that each of us would become a little more like Zechariah, that each of us would be fathers that are devoutly religious, that we are, that we are fathers of piety, of prayer, of praise. You know, the other thing that I think about too is this. Maybe you're not a dad. Maybe you didn't have a, a super dad growing up. But if that's the case, I want to tell you something. We have a super father in heaven. And he loves you deeply. He loved you so much that he was willing to give up his one and only son for you. His one and only son. There's a story about the evangelist Dwight L. Moody. One night he was preaching in a big circus tent in Chicago. And he often did that. And his sermon text for that evening was taken from Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his message. And after he had finished, the little boy was brought to the platform by an attendant who had found the boy just wandering in the crowd. The boy was lost. Surprisingly, the boy was rather calm about it. So Reverend Moody 
took the child in his arms. He walked up to the podium and he got the crowd's attention. Then he said this. He said, somewhere here, the father of this child is more anxious to find the child than the child is to be found. And so it was with the, he says, so it is with the heavenly father. Dwight goes on to say, Dwight Moody goes on to say, he has been looking for you for many years. And at that moment, a man with a worried look on his face elbowed his way to the platform. The boy saw his dad and he ran to his outstretched arms. And the crowd broke out in a mighty cheer. Then Moody said this, he said, God will receive you in the same way if you run into his arms today. Wow. And he's right. You know, if you're a father who needs to be more pious, more devout, more devoted, prayerful, praise-filled, and if I can help you in any way, I would love to do that. But even more importantly, if you're a child of God that has been wandering away from home far too long, like what John read this morning, far too long, I would love to help you reunite with the Heavenly Father. You know, for whatever reason, we invite you to come this morning if you need to come. And don't forget your Father's Day gift. If you didn't get your Father's Day gift, we have duct tape and beef sticks out there for you. I can't think of a better gift. Duct tape dads, I call you, I call you duct tape dads, are durable. They're tough and they're steady. No matter the storms that arise, he's going to, to do his part to weather the storm, holding things together for the good of the family, just like duct tape does. Just like duct tape. Duct tape dads don't run for cover, they provide it. No matter what it costs, how much it hurts, with durability like duct tape, they are going to hold things together. So happy Father's Day to all you duct tape dads out there. And I got to tell you this. As I was walking out of the store at Rural King, pushing my cart with stacks of duct tape, this old man came up to me and he says, what in the world are you doing with all that duct tape? And I looked at him in the eye and I said, I'm building a house. <laughs> you know, think about that though, folks, because I've known many guys that have used duct tapes like that, that, you know, they can make wonders out of duct tape. I love duct tape, so... Anyway, so this morning, we give you the opportunity to come, and if you haven't accepted the Lord, the watery graves of baptism right here, if you need to come and repent over something or rededicate your life, we offer that opportunity to you.